Hello and welcome to the Purpose to Performance podcast. Today's guest is Christophel Schneider. Welcome, Christophel. Hey, thank you so much, Andrew. Yes, and that's the first test we do with everybody who's not Dutch, pronounce my name. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how close did I get? Eh, rather close, but you can, it's Christoffel Schneiders, and Schneiders, that is rather hard to pronounce for even the Germans or for the English, because it's really a Dutch name, Schneiders. Right. So uh, if I concentrate on getting the Christoffel correct, then it, we'll, it, we'll leave it, the Schneiders after. It, when I was still living in Australia, I called myself Christopher, because every English-speaking person can pronounce that. Because eh, Christopher, the little boy from Winnie the Pooh, that that's all makes sense. <laughs> Perfect. So well, thank I, you for letting me be here, by the way, Andrew. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I was just going to explain. I, I first came into contact with you when you were speaking at the, the WebEx Global Coaching Summit last month. Yeah. And I was so interested in the in the three brain concept that, that when I had to follow up, which we'll, we'll probably get into, but then also, you know, very, very keen to get you on the pod so that other people can uh, can hear about the uh, the theory of the coaching model. So that, that, that was really my motivation. Uh, it's great to have you on board. I'll, if it's OK with you, I'll just run through a, a very quick sort of intro and and then we'll get into the conversation. So just you know, for the context of our listeners, Christophel is uh, originally from the Netherlands, um, currently living in Madrid, where he's a visiting professor of organizational behavior and leadership at the IE Business School. He's a renowned executive coach working with business leaders and high performance teams around the globe. Uh, he also trained in clinical therapy in Australia and is a practicing clinical hypnotherapist. He's probably best known, I, th I think, uh, for his uh, pioneering work on the developing the three brain theory and coaching methodology, which, which we're going to talk about today. But he's also a, uh, a successful author uh, with a best-selling book about relationships entitled How Men and Women Fit. That's a very brief summary. Christopher, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background so the listeners, you know, a little bit about your, your, your story. Okay, so like everybody, you study something and you never end up. So I did commercial engineering, went to do IT because you could get a lease car there. And when you're young and a boy, you like to have a lease car, don't, at least it was my idea. Transferred into sales and marketing because I love to connect with people. And in my early 30s, I came aware with coaching people already in your team. I love actually working with people. So I joined a training company. Uh, that was in that moment number one in Europe, CrowdHammer International, and really went to the leadership and sales training. And during that work, we started to coach people. And I still remember I was coaching person said, you know, I'm afraid of going into tunnels. Now, in the Netherlands, water tunnels, yeah, it's impossible to really detour them. So it was detouring for 30 minutes a day to get to his work. Wow. And I started to work with him and I came aware I missed some tools. So I started really to study from that. From, okay, so I don't know everything. Started to study NLP, uh, autonomy, and other things. On one moment, got a burnout. And I said, hey, still not everything. And I really came into the body on that moment. That's almost 18 years ago. And the body never lies. And from that moment, I really was fascinated from, hey, every time I come aware how we could help people, there's still something more. There's something missing. Because most of us uh, coach on logic. If you're going to, if you're now going to an MBI or MBA or going to, to, to do a coaching course, it is about powerful questions, listening skills. Yes, you have to make rapport, but it's all about getting that client awareness, insights, what are you learning from this? 
What's your awareness? It all brings to the logic. And really when I started to work more and more with somatic work and where there's a mismatch. And the somatic work is how do you feel? That is how you, how, how, how do you think? And on one moment somewhere I got, really I got the bleep, little light bulb when I heard from, hey, we have a heart brain, we have got a gut brain, can we have to book the second brain? And I thought, just imagine it's true that heart math said we have a second, we have a heart brain. Michael Gerson says we have a gut brain. Uh, if that's all true, then maybe if they're real brains, they have something to tell us what we are not aware of now. That's really how it started. And I really was on that moment thinking, okay, let's Google it. That's something like seven years ago. Because there must be many, many amount of books about this. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask sort of how much um, you know, supporting science or academic research sits, sits behind it. That was, that was something I really thought like, I hit a blank wall with Google. I thought, if Google doesn't know, we have an issue. <laughs> now I, I started searching more and actually I, I could not find anything. So I started to do uh, some, some, some YouTube videos on it four or five years ago. Now, one of my I say colleagues who has an NLP school in person that moment sent me an email said or, or WhatsApp said, Chris, you're talking about three brains. Do you know that Grant Luca wrote a book about it? And there's multiple brains. And I said, nope, never heard of it. So then I found, hey, there is one book about it. So I now bought a book, read about it there, coming from the NLP force. And I was already in a progress. Of, hey, I like to work more with that. So I started to integrate it. Um, started to follow my own path because I was already integrating it in my hypnotherapy and NLP trainings and working with clients. So I kept that somewhere in mind, so let's work with it. And on one moment, I worked with a client. She made a massive shift in one session. And the next session, I sort of said, Chris, you have to write a book about this. And I, st I still remember, I said, I cannot do it, I'm dyslectic. And she almost gave me, she gave me a verbal slap. She said, okay, so you let me change in one session from being totally crappy, two bottles a day, a day alcoholic to being sober. And now you're going to have this a limiting belief. What kind of therapist are you? <laughs> and I'm sitting there shaking on my chair thinking, whoa, I think I needed this slap. <laughs> what happened here? So on that moment, and I started more, wrote the book. Because he said, Chris, what you share about the three brains makes so much sense. We all say to people, listen to the average a love song. My heart says, hey, Olivia Newton-John is singing, my heart says yes, my head says no to uh, John Travolta. Now, okay, that makes sense that she had doubts about that guy. We hear it so many times. And uh, the, the former president of America always said, I trust my gut feeling in everything. <clears throat> so we know already we have a gut feeling. If I would ask you, Andrew, do you have a gut feeling? You'd say, of course, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, that, that's the bit that I think everybody everybody understands that. Everybody believes it. Everybody knows, you know. And it's the same with the heart. You know, you 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 know when you meet somebody and you you know you feel that either attraction or connection or or, or, or compassion or care. Or, you know, you, you you feel it. So you know these things are going on. But but I guess most of us think of them as independent entities. And so you know, I think up here. I have this gut feel down here and I have this yeah, connection in my heart. But, but yeah, so I, maybe explain a little bit more about it, it, it how is, it all comes together. That's how it comes together. And now if you go to say the average neuroscience uh, uh, class, they all talk about everything is up above your throat. And neuroscience is in your head. 
And they, uh, they, they do massive research on the limbic brain, the amygdala, hippocampus, thalamus, uh, all kind of stuff. Uh, now, you, you saw my webinar, and the reptilian brain does not exist. because we have, our DNA is built up the same as reptiles. Reptile can also create the brain we have if it turned on different kind of genes. So I thought, okay, so neuroscience is not true. So in my research, then I started to research more from, okay, what's more, what's there. Then you start seeking what kind of uh, uh, neurotransmitters does the gut have, does the heart have? How does that make sense? How do they communicate? Then we have, of course, nerve systems, parasympathetic, sympathetic, uh, the, cranial, the cranial nerves, connecting also the ventral vehicle or the cranial ten nerve. We have an enteric brain with a totally independent nerve system. So if you start connecting the dots, then, hey, okay, so we have three brains, they memorize. Actually, the gut communicates directly upstairs and even bacteria could create nerve systems up there. 90% of the communication from the nerve systems goes up. And at one moment, I came aware of one sentence in the book of Peter Levine. He talks about Ivan Jankovic and he says, hey, actually, we're originating from the gut. And when we are still embryos and then that spreads out and become the heart and the head. So actually the gut is number one, head number two, uh, heart number two, head number three. And I start connecting that. So if that's all true, then just imagine they are all, we're one, one entity as a human being. Just imagine they're all connected. Would that not make sense? Now, Grant Saluka already wrote that that made sense. And I wanted to do also my own, my own thing because I was at some issues with, with say, of what they said, what is the purpose of those three brains? And say, not because I like to be stubborn, but I could not really make the connection with what he something was saying. And when I was writing a book, I wanted to connect with him. But pitfully, he had, for a second time, cancer. And I think it was thyroid cancer or another kind of cancer. And he died a couple of months later. So I never was able to talk to the originator of the second book or the first book, actually. So I thought, okay, that's, that's that end. So, but all my research came aware from, hey, it works. And I spoke to Michael Gershon. Uh, I spoke to other ones. And I said, yeah, it, it all, what you say actually all makes sense, Chris. What's happening there? So when I asked, why is not normal science saying something about this? Now, then you had this silence. <laughs> yeah, because there's more money in neuroscience. And actually, it's easier to measure. And then another one said, uh, yeah, Chris, uh, do you still know uh, Mensedich? I says, yes, the guy who, uh, um, say, came aware of the plasticity of the brain in the 60s already. Mensedich wrote a book, Plasticity of the Brain. In his first research document about it, his professor said, you're going to script that, you're going to make it black that the brain is plasticity. It's always fixed there. So he had to, I said, otherwise, I don't approve your uh, thesis. He had to blank it out. Another uh, a researcher who wrote about the plasticity of the brain lost his grand for five years and was dismissed as neuroscientist. He said, now, just remember those stories. He said, people are totally used how it is now. If you're now going to say the heart brain has 100,000 brain cells, actually it's true because even in a Netflix documentary inside the body or inside the human today talks about the heart brain and the gut brain. He says that people start doubting all their therapy models. Like uh, Bessel van Kolk writes in the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Mm -hmm. And it means that every psychologist, every therapist, everything has actually to change the models. And you know, said uh, the most flexible people are absolutely not therapists. 
because they're stuck in that modem. Now, so he gave me an explanation from, yeah, you know, Chris, uh, it will come out five or 10 years when there's more publications, more about it, and they cannot uh, um, ignore it anymore. They said, but up to now, it's all there. And say the heart brain and the gut brain become more known, as it is now, say, in the current Netflix documentary, Inside the Human Body, they just mention it. They mention it, so that, that's good. But the rest is still not there. So on this moment, I say I'm the only one who writes books about it and is research about it. Because the work from Grant Saluka is in his trainings and are people, uh, say, in, an, in, an, in a trust who do his trainings, multiple brain training. But the research is not done anymore because he was really the guy, extremely knowledgeable and amazing guy. So the people who run it there are great, but not in the development of anything more. So now I'm, you could almost say I'm the only one. Maybe there are other ones, but Google doesn't give me really an answer. I came aware sometimes of coaches or therapists who also talk about three brains, but that's it. They don't do massive research or more about it. You're saying it. Because the average somatic therapist coach says, yeah, makes sense. And the other one says, yeah, it could be, but I don't know. So this is the whole story. It, it's a long story, I come aware, but yeah, that's how it is. So for me, I feel something like, uh, not to make myself uh, amazing, but something like little Petrus, who's walking with the Bible and says, goes to Rome and says, hey, by the way, there's not a God. Yeah. Now, you know how Petrus ended. He ended up upside down on the cross. That's not, <laughs> that's not my fortune. But I'm actually spreading a new way of working with people, what is known, but not known. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. I mean, it is, yeah. it, to me, it seems mm. seems pioneering. I mean, I, 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 I've had conversations with other Semitic coaches and, and they work in a similar way in, in, in terms of part of it, but they they haven't really uh, researched into the theory and, and, and what sits behind it. But yeah, fascinating stuff. But let's let's jump into it. So then, in in terms of how you've uh, taken that that concept and that understanding and brought it into a into a coaching model, how how do you how do you use that three brain thinking in in a coaching context then? Uh, very, very easy. Uh, say, uh, it's easy. Let's say somebody has a topic. He says, no, I like to, I don't know, change jobs, careers, or something else. And while they're talking, okay, so what do we like to achieve? I like to know. I like to have a new job. Okay. And you can, ha- you can have simple questions here. What is stopping you of getting there? Eh? What, what, what will be the benefit? And somewhere during their, their talk, you come aware, hey, almost which brains are talking? From which wisdom center are not actually saying yes or are they saying no? And most of us, because we have, most of us have dominance in our choices. We're more logical, more heart brain, or more gut feeling oriented. And that one is the more dominant. So that is actually now saying how we, how we move or not move. So in the coaching and also in leadership, we like to integrate the order of voices. It's almost like you're sitting on a table with three persons, head, heart, and gut. And you say, hey, guys, what should we eat? Or hey, girls, what should we eat to make it inclusive? And then one says, yo, pizza. Dominant brain. One says, whoo. Okay, I will not say anything because he put his hand on the table. And the other one says, yeah, yesterday we had pizza. Maybe it's healthier to have a salad. And the, the pizza, pizza it is. I love pizza. We just did pizza. I love pizza. Pizza is good for us. Yeah, but the salad is rather also healthy. So they have actually two talking. And one is still silent. Now, whatever you choose on that moment, the silent one will say, later on, I told you so. 
The healthy guy says, yes, you have cluttered veins because you're always eating pizza. I've also told you so. And the pizza guy says, why did never everybody stop me? <laughs> now, in the coaching, we like to bring those three persons in a combined decision. Okay, so you said pizza, we heard you really cloud and clear. Yeah? You said uh, um, salad, what's, what's the motivation for salad? Okay, by the way, you were silent there. What would you like to bring to the table? What, what is your preference? And sometimes that one cannot, uh, cannot talk or is really stopped to talk based on belief systems. Uh, uh, I should be silent. I should be permissive. I should listen to everybody else. Or, you know, uh, um, I'm, I'm stuck in, in a trauma. And once I said something, it got such a slap from my head. I will never say something again. So then we have to work with people to really let that, no, say that third wisdom center brain or person talk again. Okay, so you had some belief systems that you're not allowed to talk, or you maybe had a heavy event in your life that, that stops you to talk. Now, how can we work with that? That we put those, say, in the past or compartmentalize them where they should be. So you have also a voice to the table. And then when there are three voices, and the third one said, I don't know, I like the rice. Let's make it an example. So we have salad, rice, and pizza. Okay, guys, girls, how can we make one of it? What is the, our intention from it? What's the positive intention? How can we combine, say, based on the positive intentions, a common solution? And then something can come up. It can be let's go to the Thai or let's just go to an uh, just eat or Uber eat or whatever kind of eat. I don't know. And so that's how you work with it. And if that's coaching. If you bring it to leadership, it's almost the same. Yeah? Because most leaders also work from mostly one, maybe two brains. Yeah? The, the highly gut-brain dominant are really in executive boards most times because you need to use gut brain to become number one. The hard brains are more in HR, supporting roles and middle management. If you make it really binary, I say in the head brain people are the specialized. There's the IT, the finance, the, 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 the legal. If you really would make it binary zero one eh? and making uh, put people in little baskets. If they start using the other brains, they become more, fu uh, more functional and they really become one company. That's what is most companies, yes, it's hard to get engagement. Uh, the, 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 the big walk away of companies, people will feel demotivated. Uh, why don't we work together? Of course, don't communicate. Now, that's a long story short, how you can do it in coaching, and how you can do it in leadership. Yeah, I mean, what just listening to you there, what occurred to me is, you know, I, I guess it's the same in terms of a, a, a functional performance board yeah. and, and a dysfunctional one so yeah. you know we probably all can think of, of boards that we've worked with where you know you've got a very dominant ceo gut brain led yeah. Yeah, who doesn't communicate very well with the the analytics the finance guys and, and the legals and then the hr just doesn't you know really get a voice at the table and and we know that that those companies, you know, the, the quality of the decision making over time is poor because they're not maximizing the, the collective intelligence uh, within within the room. And I guess that's the same with with people that if you are too dominant yeah. uh, in one particular uh, in the use of one particular thinking system, and you're not tapping into those others you, over time, you know, you, your the quality of your decision making. Yeah, is impaired or could be improved if you improve the balance. That, that's so. It's yeah. basically the same thing within the humans. It would be in a collective board or or team. No. 
Absolutely, you could not be more true, eh? because that's what you what you just said. You share in teams, and teams who all have a specialization. We have a, that's why we came where we came. Most times, it's connected with a preference, how we make decisions, how we lead our life, and have a different kind of strengths. And if we don't utilize all of them, one on one never becomes three. It just stays with a dysfunctional thing, where, where the just like in the old days, where the the screamers and the bullies run the run the classroom. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, you know, as coaches, we know something about how we start to address the, you know, the the, uh, the dynamics of the team and, and optimizing that. How does it work for us as an individual with these three brains? You know, do they do we naturally change the the the, the dominance or the bias of the thinking over time, or is it something that we can consciously change? Uh, 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 both. Uh? I would say it's almost like a talent that we are born with based on mommy and daddy's gene set. And we're still now not totally a blank slate, but partly blank slate when we we're born. How we are conditioned, socialized, educated forms a preference. Secondly, we have also talents here where we can get away off. You know, the moment dopamine gets released, the reward drug, we think, okay, this is what I should do again. If we know that something works for us when we're really young, with our parents, we start keep on doing that. If it also works on school, then hey, now we don't think that, but okay, it works with mom or daddy, it works, on, it works with my teachers, oh wow, it works in university, it works with my first boss, and before you know, it becomes a preference or dominance. You train your talents. Mm-hmm. Having said that, during our life, it can change. And just like Maslow said about the pyramid, if you're just uh, becoming, uh, you buy a new house, you get married and you have your first kid and your financial situation is a little bit in stress. Your sleep is a little bit in stress. And so people can become much more also gut dominant on that moment because they are in a survival mode. And so the environment or the, the events that come to us can temporary or maybe more chronically change our preference. Eh? You see it, especially when people are, say, traumatized, they could change. Eh? If you... Uh, four times are heavily cheated by your partner you love dearly, then in one moment your heart brain really could turn close down and say, you know, I'm not going to trust any woman anymore or any man anymore. Because the only thing to do is, beep, your gut brain can take over and say, okay, I trust my gut or my head in relationships. And then people will come somewhere disconnected from it. The same if you see this bullying, kids who are bullied lose part of their trust system in other people. So the heart gets also closed off because they don't trust it anymore. Yeah, we're now talking nice, but the moment I turn around, maybe before you know, he gives me a kick in the ass or he just uh, puts something else. So then the heart brain really gets turned off. The gut brain gets much more dominant or the head brain. And actually that becomes then on that moment, their, their preference. So people can change in life. And, we spoke about it, brain plasticity. We are totally brain plasticity. We can train everything. We both, Andrew, can still look like Arnold Schwarzenegger in five years if we now go hitting the gym for the next six hours, 24-7. And in five years, we both are probably one half times our size. Now, it, it's not as my ambition, but as an example. But the same we can do with our internal wisdom centers or brains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, after our follow-up session, you know, where I, I did your 
uh, assessment on your on your on your website about you know, my current state. And you know, I, I came out you know, reasonably balanced now with with a slight head dominance and then heart and gut. But you know, I, I was then it prompted me to reflect how I saw myself, you know, as a young kid. And I thought I was I was very gut dominant. You know, I was very very competitive. You know, just in the moment, wanted to win. Didn't think of the consequences. You know, didn't really connect with people. It was all about me. Yeah. You know, and then as I went into employment, you know, you actually you know, <laughs> education. You, you know, you have to start. You know, engaging your head and and bring all that logic because you know that's what gets the results. But you know, you're still sort of quite competitive and you're leading with your gut and things happening very quickly. But then, you know, I guess two things. Yeah, you know, when you start leading teams of people, that's when you you realize that you. It's very difficult to achieve things if you haven't first built that trust, that rapport, and and so you you realise that something's missing. And then, yeah, I guess the other big influence for me was was the arrival of kids. So, yeah, that you know the whole, you have, your whole perspective on life changed, <laughs> uh, quite quite dramatically. Um, so, yeah, I, I can certainly reflecting on on uh, you know my thinking and behavior can can see how it has has changed and and, so, and as i've stepped into coaching i i think i've become you know uh much more connected with my with my heart brain and you know because it brings out that that empathy that compassion that connection with people um probably more than when i was you know a chief exec or in, in a leadership role where um you know you need the balance but you certainly need you know some some of that powerful gut decisive leadership trait your reflection that makes totally sense in those events that really change your life right? kids going to your workplace uh, changing your career and those are life changing events where you have to adapt to the new situation what they require of you otherwise sooner or later you become obsolete and so that, that makes sense and you then show also something that now what we as coaches love to see in, in coaches tools and leaders the adaptability to the environment. Yeah. So, so if then in the context of, of leadership coaching, you know, if we were working with a you know a chief executive, and if if we think of some of the sort of um, you know the current uh, challenges or, or threats, you know, that have come about for changes of organisation, for instance, in in the fact that you know the the whole thing of, of, of location and and you know we've now got. Uh, <clears throat> distance teams and people not together how how would we you know set about working with those those leaders to rebalance things or bring out the 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 uh, the brain required to help them through that challenge of how they how they lead in in in, in a more distant environment the beautiful question was that you see now you see more things happening. Uh, one you see, you, you, you can also read it in uh, the, the, the leaders who become more controlling. Uh, actually, gut brain. I like mm-hmm. to see what's happening because I don't trust you. I don't trust Andrew that you work from nine to five your butt off. So I would like to put an app in your computer so I really see what's happening. And please, a little camera and a tracking device so I can see how many times you went to the bathroom. And that's a gut brain boss and it will not connect. Uh, what you also see happening, and again, this binary, is people who work more and more on Zoom become a little bit more self-oriented. That people don't like to go back to office anymore. It's not a, actually a choose for themselves. You know, I don't like to drive. I'm sitting here. I can plan my time. 
I can work on my best time. And it always starts with the word I. Nothing wrong with it, but also the people in the Zoom world become more, say, Godburn oriented. This is what I want. This is the best for me. Why should I be? Why should I be my colleagues? What is the benefit of seeing my colleagues at the coffee? Uh, that's actually a brain sentence. So you see that happening. So for the current leaders who are successful, and I'm coaching one who's doing a, a really an amazing job. You only had a score above the eight on uh, engagement in a multi-international multi, uh, company with 20,000 uh, people. He had only had a score above the eight as engagements in his team. Because what he does amazingly is actually really engaging also from the heart with his teams. And so he doesn't call them just to say, okay, what's the task? What is happening? What is doing? But also really spends time one-to-ones and not one-to-ones to really talk with the people. Just, just chat with them without an objective. Just, hey, how are you doing? Hey, how's your, how are your kids doing actually, Andrew? And when they click Zoom, it's not something we, we ticked all those boxes. It's just, okay, you like to know how Andrew is doing. And so he, he brings that in that hard brain and his team is extremely motivated. They're almost no sickness leave. People stay with in their job. And amazing uh, achievements in his team. But it means as boss, you have to become more hard brain and actually start trusting. And also mean bringing in a different way people together. Because we all have to work together. Uh, we, yeah, you're you're in, uh, in Mallorca, I'm in Madrid. We have distance. We can connect if we do it differently, because what's the, the beauty or the pitfall, whatever you like to call it, uh, our heart can synthesize oxytocin. That means that you can say simply it produces oxytocin. Oxytocin, the love hormone, the connection hormone, the feel-good hormone, amazing. It's also produced in the amygdala, but also in the heart or synthesized. It gets released in our body when we really connect physically with somebody we like. So when you see your kids after waking up five times, of course, they're young and they're screaming in the morning. You, you wake up and think, where's my pillow to put on their head? Because they're screaming. You look at your little ones. Oh, you're such my, you're my beautiful son or girl. And you totally forget everything you just said as horrible uh, sentences because you didn't sleep. That's actually all the oxytocin flush in your body. The protection to do all those horrible things. Now that gets released when you are connected with people. In Zoom, it's hard because we're thousands of miles away from each other. You can release it even via Zoom if you do some other things as a leader. If you create a different kind of atmosphere, if you create a different kind of connection, if you don't have only 10 people in those little squares on your screen like a grid, but sometimes really put them on speaker view so then you see the person really coming in. And when you see the person coming in, you're not watching it or uh, looking at your mobile. Like, okay, good to see you, Andrew. By the way, this is what you have to do. And really say, hey, Andrew, good to see you. I like the glasses. They actually fit your face. You know that? And you just connect for a moment with somebody. You see that little smile in the face of you. You think, okay, there's a connection. And if you go on with that, and I'm just curious eh, when you're sitting in Madrid or when you're sitting in Mallorca, how do you connect with all the people when you're, when you're talking to them in in, in London, UK, uh, and other kind of things. So how much time do you take with them? And if you now think about yourself, and those little connections you make helps people actually to release for a second oxytocin. Yeah, uh, I, I totally get it. I, and I think, you know, one of the things I've noticed or, or occurred to me is, you know, we, we, when we rationalize about it, 
you know, we, we benefit from those efficiencies of, I don't need to commute. I need, don't need to go and fight for a parking space and, yeah. you know, da, 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 and waste all this time. But, you know, do we consciously sit, think and say, well, okay, how, how can I reinvest that time to address some of the, the challenges of not being connected with people? And as you say, you know, if, if, if you acknowledge that, you know, I've got two hours back in my day because I don't have to, to get up, sit in traffic or, or, or get on the train and whatever. I don't have all that time, you know, working around in the office because I've got everything here. I'm just go, 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 go. I've got that time so I can, you know, reach out to those people without an agenda just to check in. I can send them a message to, you know, ask them how they're getting on. I can, you know, you know, it's reinvesting that time in recognition of, the need for that 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 connectivity and that uh, heart connection. So it's yeah again using the the analytical brain and the gut brain and the and, and the heart brain in in uh, in unison. Yeah, absolutely, because context of the challenges that you're facing as a leader. Right, that was the moment you talk say about objectives, things that has to be done. Uh, they talk about head brain and gut brain. Yeah? Head brain. Well, what do we all have to do? Gut brain. We have to get things done. When you just chat with somebody without a reason, it's more heart brain, it's just connection. Now in the Zoom world, we forgot that forgot that all of times. And most successful managers or CEOs I meet, what they did when before COVID started, when they were driving towards their work or driving back from work, they were chatting with their uh, with their executives or other people on the phone. I said, you know, I have one hour in the from London to uh, to where I live. So I just call, say, uh, my team and other people, just chat with them in an hour. He says, now what I'm doing after all the Zoom calls are done, I still call people. So I don't go on Zoom and look and I said, hey, Andrew, how are you doing on the phone? And people say, why do you call me? He said, because I get totally tired of Zoom. I just like to know your voice and how you're doing. Not Nothing business, just how are you doing, Andrew? And people, and he said, I do the same. And people love it. I said, so... That heart brain connection. Now, if you now think how we coach people, what's for leaders, this common one where we are losing on this the last two years, our heart, our heart connection with other people. And the current management styles talk about now Zoom, Teams, and all kinds of features and apps, blah, 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 what we all can do is it, but not about how do we really connect. Say so in my training, I, I let people that come into my training, nobody knows each other, and I ask them three questions. Uh, how's your curiosity? How empty is your mind now, for doing this training? Score from one to 10. Most times I score an eight or a nine. Okay, how's your passion for the group? Score one to 10. Most people score four to six, maybe seven. But they know, don't know anybody yet. It's really the first two minutes. How's your safety in the group? So you really dare to be vulnerable and sharing what you want to share. Now, most times score between four and six. I do a little exercise with them, only two minutes. Everybody has to do this. Everybody max two minutes, actually less, one minute. Just something like we did when I was talking to you. I asked the questions again, and everybody is almost above a seven or an eight or nine. That little extra of one or two minutes right away connects so much connection and trust that it sparks up because do a little exercise or a little thing that connects with the head, connects with the heart, connects with the gut. So we let oxytocin flow. We create a safety for the gut, create curiosity in the head, and bam, 
In the first 15 minutes, we score from, a score from the average four, five, six of trust and connection to eight or nine. So it, it is not magic signs or magic tools or 10 days of training. It's really getting in the right mindset, the right words, the right things. And that's amazing if you get into, into this field and you can hear I'm enthusiastic and passionate about it. Because it makes massive changes that sometimes I think uh, when I do a training or talk with people van, is it not just me? Am I not cheating? Are they just now pleasing me? They saying that they have this change or is it really happening? Because it's something like, you know, I find a little needle in the haystack. Yeah, so I don't have to do all the other stuff anymore. So that's why I love it because it gives so much tangible tools to work with people instead of saying, what are you feeling? Because just imagine the last question, eh? who's in charge of your emotions, Andrew? Yeah, great question. Your <laughs> head going up, seeing, oh wow, what, what did Frank say about it? I had so many podcasts. <laughs> Because they say thoughts can influence you, are in charge of your emotions. That's true. And who's in charge of your thoughts? Yeah. But emotions sometimes happens without thinking. So who's in charge of your emotions? Who's in charge when your head says yes and your heart says no? Yeah, I mean, we, it, well, it's, it's, that, it's that impulse moment, isn't it? And we, we all can think, you know, if we sit back and think, well, why did I do that? Because I was thinking this or I, I felt that, but then I just did that. And why I say I love this, because do us all respect for all the other tests, MBTI, DISC, uh, Enneagram, and all the others, they cluster behaviors. So you're more dominant, more influencer in DISC or conscious And they cluster behavioral types. And then if you like to change or like to develop, you have to change your behavioral clusters. But where are they coming from? Who's in charge of those behavioral clusters? That's extremely hard. It's almost like pulling on the outside to change something on the inside. If you think about three brains, the three brains all have their own authority. They all have their own um, objective. They all have their own communication style, if you would call it communication style. So if you know that, actually, you're changing where it's coming from. Because if I say, hey, you need a little bit more gut brain or a little bit more heart brain hey, to balance out, you can really work on where it's happening. Instead of saying, you have to, that, that's what you hear a lot of, uh, what we say a lot, you have, to be, uh, you have to listen better or listen more. Listening is a skill from the head, but also a skill from the heart. If you're really interested in somebody, You listen. If you meet, as I just imagine when you met your uh, current partner and the first time you met her, were you listening to her? Probably yes. Otherwise, you would not be having now this date. Yeah, you were interested in your stories. Maybe not totally, but you know them. Otherwise, you know, next date, I have to at least remember what she said. Otherwise, I have an issue. Yeah. yeah. If you have a real interest, it happens. Real interest is the heart. So you can... Teach people all those listening skills and questioning skills. But if the heart brain is not supporting it, it's really bringing water to the sea. If you can work on that heart brain, hey, what is stopping you of having that real interest in that person? What do you need to have that real interest in that person? And if that happens, they get interested in the, in the person. The questioning and listening skills happen right away because we learn to listen when we were born. 
to mommy and daddy. We learned, and we didn't, we don't need to learn questions. Eh? I don't know what the age of your kids is, but can you remember the age of kids when they are three, four, five, six, seven? How yeah. many questions did your kids ask you, Andrew? <laughs> oh, gazillions. It's gazillions. So we don't have to teach people to ask questions. We have that inside us. Only kids are interested to learn. We adults, to make it again binary, less. So if we can create that same hard brain opportunity again, it happens again. So we don't have to learn the skills. We actually have to reactivate the qualities we already have inside us. If that yeah, and I, I guess it's, you know, it's the interferences of, you know, that, that analytical head brain that says, you know, is this person, you know, useful? Do they have the information? So you're prejudging the conversation yeah. rather Absolutely. than just following your heart brain and engaging with them. And as you say, listening, yeah. because you're going to learn something, whatever, yeah, no, the, the, whatever their the response is, you, 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 you're learning. But if yeah. you shut that out, um, you know, you miss that opportunity, you know? The, the head brain loves to judge because that's the whole thing. Eh? I like to predict the future. And they were, probably you know the story from, uh, from Steve Jobs, who when he had a new idea, was asking and shared with everybody. The guy in the elevator, the guy at the, the, the entrance, uh, the, the person who was cleaning the, the floors, of course, as executives, who said, because every input is important for me. I cannot just trust the people who know, because they know what they know. I like to hear from the people who actually don't know and look at it with fresh eyes. And so following the curiosity from your heart also will teach you much more. And so it's, in, again, educating people to get that system there. Also your gut brain, eh? your gut brain also likes to know what's best for survival. Hey, so maybe I should just walk around to come aware what people are doing or not doing. Hey, for my survival means maybe I should ask the guy who, or the girl who never says something because maybe she has the answer or he has the answer. Instead of judging, oh, the person who's always silent probably doesn't have to say anything. And so, again, reactivating everything we already have inside us makes massive changes. That's why I said sometimes get totally puzzled about success because I don't have to teach them asking questions, listening skills, blah, 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 blah. We just almost turn a little knot, a little bit more head, a little bit more heart, a little bit more gut, and bam, all those other things happen in a blink. Yeah. So, yes, for us coaches, it means you don't have to do 20 sessions, but only five. With those five, your clients are, are, are almost putting a little sign on the door. Thank you, Andrew. Because <laughs> you made a massive change instead of, the old Freud psychoanalysis, five years therapy. So also that is massively, yeah, you're much more effective than the average CEO. If you can do things in five sessions instead of 20, they are your friend right away. Yep, powerful stuff. So I will stop talking, otherwise you think, hey, Chris, can you, can, can, where, where's, where's the mute button? Just think about it, because for me, everybody should know this. Yeah, but I, well, I mean, it had such an impact on me when I first heard you speak. I thought, you know, I, I, I need to know more about this. And, uh, and then, you know, from there, I'm thinking, well, yeah, this is just, you know, so powerful that, uh, that I need to share this with, uh, with all my friends, you know, who listen to the podcast. So, so it's, been, uh, it's been fantastic. And I really, really appreciate you uh, spending your time and bringing all that passion 
to, to our conversation. So uh, just as we sort of wrap up, uh, how can, you know, if, if other people have been, you know, intrigued and, and, and excited by, by what they've heard uh, on the pod today, how can they get in touch with you and find out more about Three Brains Coaching? If the normal name Christoffel Snijders, and that is it is an N, an E, and an I, you Google me, you always find me because my name is so unique with Snijders behind it, you find me. Yeah, but if you type in, and I just launched, I changed my company name from Peel Academy, but personal excellence and leadership into Three Brains Academy, makes more sense. You type in Three Brains Academy, boom, you you hit me. Perfect. Well, I, yeah, I'll put it in the in the show notes. But uh, yeah. yeah, I definitely recommend to to uh, any listener who's even you know slightly piqued your interest. It's definitely worth. Uh, getting into contact with Christopher and, and, and having a look at your, your website because you've got some assessments and, and yeah. a lot more explanations and, and, and all things on there and uh, and the book as well. So, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's just fantastic. Andrew, because you said a lot of people listen also are your clients or ex-clients, so they will ask you, hey, Andrew, do you also do three-brain coaching? So be aware, you almost unleash now the tiger in all your clients, all your people. <laughs> It is. I mean, I, I have found, you know, just since since uh, since since we hooked up, you know, and, and and reading more about it, you know, I, I find, you know, I'm I'm trying to listen with my whole body in in the coaching sessions, and I, you know, I often, often ask my questions. You know, so so, what's your heart saying to you now? Yeah. You know, and and if your gut saying this and your head saying that, yeah. you know, how how what's the route to resolve that conversation? And if we brought the heart in, you know, so yeah, I, I do bring it in, obviously, you know, I, I don't have the depth of understanding and, awesome. and expertise, but you know, if you want to get good at something, you've got to get out and do it. Haven't you? Yeah. So, so great. So at least your clients can feel safe in your hands. It's, it's a good thing. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank yeah. you so much for your time today. It was an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Yeah. And uh, I'll be in touch uh, at some point in the future. I'm sure we'll hook up again and have another conversation. So thanks for today. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please uh, give it a like or share it with your friends. And if you want to hear more from the Purpose to Performance podcast, please subscribe on whichever platform you use for, for tuning in. So thanks for today and we'll see you soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot.